0: Hey, everyone. Today's episode is going to look a little bit different. Next week, we'll be back to our usual broadcasting. We're going to be deep diving the world of salmonella. But today I wanted to do more of a fireside casual chat about what it is like to be a professional in the world of public health. I'm going to talk about the application process. Um, For your MPH, that's the Master of Public Health, I want to talk about being a contractor at CDC and how you can search for those jobs, what that means to be a contractor, how is that different than an FTE federal employee, and just kind of a casual conversation amongst friends, so to speak, and just kind of really talk about what it is like to be working in this space, how to get in the space if you are not already in it. And if you are in it, just really sharing some of our highs and lows. And then at the very end of the episode, I'm going to shout out some job opportunities that are open right now that are hiring right now. So if these sound interesting to you, you can jump in there, throw in your application and hopefully take some tips and tricks along the way. So this is the episode ahead of us. It might be a little bit shorter, but honestly, if I get talking, this might be longer, but stay tuned. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Transmissible, a public health podcast. I am your host, Jessica Stahl, and I have spent most of my career at, as a contractor for the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. I started out in the special bacteriology lab. I did genomics, and then I was on the MicrobeNet project, and then I became the unit lead of that project. It was a, long story short, a, an identification tool for rare and unusual bacterial pathogens. And I traveled domestically and internationally for that. And then most recently I was on the COVID-19 emergency response team as a contractor. I was on the lab and testing task force and I did health communications for them. I used my past laboratory knowledge, um, to do health comms. That was a whirlwind. It was a lot of, um, late nights, working weekends. That was a crazy time. Um, but you know, COVID was a crazy time for everyone. I also have my Masters of Public Health with a concentration in epidemiology. Um, I love Epi. I love data. I also really love global health and infectious diseases. Bacteria has a special place in my heart. Um, so just kind of the merging of those and is just like the dream. And this podcast has really become a passion project for me. It's so fun to just Every week, just totally deep dive on a topic and then jump on here and share it with you guys. As a reminder, as a legal reminder, that this is not medical advice. Please talk to your own doctor about your own medical questions. This also does not represent CDC. It doesn't represent any of my contracting companies or my universities, nothing. This represents me only. This is my passion project. So just have to stick that on this podcast somewhere that's an important part of it that um, in the past I have forgotten and I have had to go back and re-record that part so just getting that out there before we jump in So like I said usually if you're new here usually I every week I do a fun niche for the most part they've been infectious diseases not all of them I did preeclampsia and eclampsia um, two weeks ago I also did public health challenges during wartime um, that was my third episode but we've deep dove together, typhus, rabies, rat lungworm disease. Um, what are some other ones we've done? I feel like they're starting. Oh, Zika. Zika's a good one. Dengue. Dengue was probably my favorite. Um, it's just been so much fun jumping on here, but today I wanted to do a little bit different, more of a casual, you know, they call them like fireside chats, but I, I feel like when I'm on social media. The most prominent question I get about public health is not on a specific disease or, you know, a scientific question. It's really on the professional part. How do you get these jobs? What did you go to school for? How do you get into the school? Like what's the application process like? Those are the questions that I get the most. And so I thought maybe it would be fun to do, you know, just a a quick episode. I keep calling it quick, but watch this be like the longest one I've done and just kind of talk about how I got to where. I am and the parts that I would do differently, the parts that, um, I think were really crucial. Some of it I stumbled into some of it. I had, you know, some really great help from mentees and uh, not mentees, (laughs) maybe mentees, but mentors specifically. And just kind of want to talk about it. I feel like because this is less of a presentation on science, there might be a couple more ums and likes bear with me. This is like, we're just sitting here across the table from each other drinking a coffee, talking, professional, you know, talking shop. So um, without further ado, let's just jump in. So like I said, I have an undergraduate degree in pre-med biology. I graduate, it's 2015. Um, I am doing Etsy. I have an Etsy shop full-time, and that is paying, paid for the latter part of my tuition, and it is also paying for my housing. Now, at this time in my life, I also want to go to PA school, physician assistant school, But Etsy is freaking stressful. What's hard about living off of Etsy, and if some of you guys have freelance work or like side hustles, you know how stressful it is if you're reliant on that money because, yeah, you might be having a really good week or a really good month in sales. But, you know, if next month isn't as good, you know, the bills get hit. So I was very stressed living off of Etsy. I wanted a more consistent job before I went to PA school. And so through my network of kind of like asking people around saying, you know, I'm, basically about to graduate with a biology degree you know does anyone know anything i get connected to someone at cdc and they're a contractor and so one of the things is that when you look at cdc as a whole as the organization some people who work there are a federal employee they're called an fte full-time employee but they're federal so they work for the government and then the other like half are contractors and they work for a contracting company that CDC pays to staff. And so I was a contractor and I will talk a little bit about how I found that job, but, um, there are differences. There's differences in like your benefits and how you get paid, but you're still in the same facility. So you could be a contractor sitting next to an FTE and you're both working on a project doing the same work, but you get paid differently. You have different benefits. Um, one's a federal employee, one's a contractor. So that's kind of high level overarching contractors tend, not always, but tend to be a little bit lower level. A lot of people who have a bachelor's degree are a contractor and then they get their master's degree and they start applying to FTEs. That is not always the case. You will see PhDs, MDs in a contractor role as well. Um, the, for most people, the goal is to eventually become an FTE. But some people don't want that. Some people like to stay as a contractor and there are professional and personal reasons for that. But there's, there's definitely a difference. But when you're at work, it's sometimes it's hard to see the difference because, you know, your team might be compiled of both FTEs and contractors. So that's kind of an overview. But basically I got a three month contractor position to cover for someone's maternity leave, I was in the genomics lab. I was processing bacterial and fungal samples for um, other labs at CDC, but also hospitals to do the identification of the pathogen. So I, I don't want to get too deep into the science because I know a lot of people here don't have a lab background. Um, but basically, it's it's pathogen identification using genomics, and so I was in that lab. That. I was like working my butt off. I was, you know, trying to network. I was trying to make a good impression, and um, it kind of worked because then I got offered a full time contractor position. So um, that's a little bit confusing. The terminology gets a little bit confusing, but it's not a federal government position, but it is full time in the sense that I was going Monday to Friday, um, you know, eight hours a day, forty hours a week type thing. And that was in the special bacteriology lab. I was still processing samples, but I was also on the MicrobNet team. Um, Eventually, I get promoted to be the MicrobNet unit lead. And, you know, we're traveling internationally and um, a little bit domestically, putting on workshops, telling people what the MicrobNet um, website can do for you. It basically helps other labs and other hospitals identify rare and unusual pathogens in their labs. So they don't have to send them all the, all the way to CDC to get help with the identification. Um, it saves time. It saves money. It saves, saves lives. Um, I could, I could kind of have like a flashback to doing the presentations, but yeah, it was really fun. I loved it. I was there for four years and then, um, I very briefly jumped out. I went to the, um, I guess, the private sector basically. So I wasn't in the government mix. I was at a healthcare startup. I was the director of marketing there. I did not like it and I missed CDC. So around this time I was getting married. I was applying to MPH schools. That's the master of public health. I wanted a concentration in epidemiology. And, um, so I kind of took a break. I quit the director of marketing job. And I focused on school. I got into UAB's Master of Public Health in Epidemiology program. Now, I chose UAB because my husband worked. That's the University of Alabama at Birmingham. My husband worked in their hospital system. And so we got um, a heavy, heavy, heavy discount on the project. UAB is a really wonderful MPH program. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. If it hadn't been so heavily discounted, I probably would have gone a more global health route, but because it was so heavily discounted and because epidemiology is such a great foundation for all of the interests I had, I thought that it was a really just smart route and I'm really glad I did. I had a great time at UAB. So I do that. COVID hits, right? (laughs) Right as I'm basically getting into school. I do one semester of just um, straight-up school, and then I end up going back to CDC. Um, Some of my old colleagues, specifically one of my old colleagues, was on the COVID-19 emergency response in the lab and testing task force, and he let me know, like, hey, we have an open position. Like, do you want to come back? And I was like, yeah, I do. (laughs) I miss CDC. So I came back, and that was in 2020, the ominous 2020, and was a health communications specialist on the covid response still as a contractor had a great time in the in the professional sense it was very fast paced really interesting but it was a very very stressful time we were working late nights we were working weekends it was also just scary i know eight people who died from covid and it was just a very interesting experience working on a pandemic that was hitting me so close to home. So that was that's the thing about public health is if you get if you get in deep enough or if you get in a certain spot that hits close enough to home, your personal life and your professional life start to mesh a little bit. Um or at least the 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 what breaks your heart starts to mesh if that makes sense, that's kind of a weird way of saying it, but um, I think you guys understand what I mean. So during this time, I'm also doing school, so I'm doing full time MPH program, and I'm doing um, full time at the beginning, doing full time COVID response, and that that was a lot. And then <laughs> I got pregnant with my son, and so I switched it up a little bit, and I did full time school, part time. COVID response. So I was doing Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I was working, um, a long day. And then Tuesday, Thursday, I was going to school and I was pregnant. I think if I were not pregnant during that time, or if it was just a different time in my life or just our household had different needs, I could have done full-time school and full-time work, but it is a lot. And that's something that I've talked to professional friends about is just like when you're doing school and you're working, uh, you know, kind of what that feels like, what takes a hit if it's a late night at work, but you have a project to work on, you know, things can get kind of squirrely. But for me, that was a really good middle ground. I was very grateful that my contracting company let me go part-time. Let me take out two days of the week so I could focus on school. And then I had my internship. So when you do an MPH program, I think they all require this, but you do an internship in the field before you graduate. And so I started asking around at work and I found one in CDC's travel health department. And so the summer of 2022, I did an internship with the influencer campaigns of the COVID vaccine rollout. And I did kind of a analysis on the effectiveness and the messaging that was really interesting. I loved Working with the Travelers Health people, they're wonderful. They really um, do just smart, fun campaigns over there. I had a great time. So that's something if you're looking into MPH programs, know that you will get an opportunity to kind of sample um, a, an area of the field you want. So a lot of people will do it in something that they want to work in. But I've also heard of of, of people doing their internship in something that they don't want to work in but they want to know kind of like a little 2 month taste of what it is. So there's two different mindsets there. I chose to do something um kind of in the global health CDC world because that is um what is of interest to me. So that's kind of my an overview, a quick overview of my professional route and um then as you guys know, I moved to Denver, I had a baby, <laughs> and I just graduated December of 2023 in Um, with my MPH in epidemiology. I am just amazed at how much I use it even in my personal life. You know, you hear a news report, you hear something, you know, you're talking with friends and they, they talk about something. It just seems like it comes up a lot. Correlation and causation. No one understands it. (laughs) Like you just, it just is glaringly obvious. I saw a news report. And it said, picking your nose leads to Alzheimer's. Or no, no, no. I think it said the cause of Alzheimer's is picking your nose. And I was like, what? What does that mean? And so I click on it. And basically, it's this I didn't even read very much into it. But I think long story short, there's like a um, bacteria that can get or something. I can't even remember. Basically, something can get to your brain. It can, And it can go through your nasal cavity and it can sometimes get there through your finger. And so it okay, that's a bad example. I should have done more research on that. But basically, when you have an a, an MPH background or an Epi background or maybe you learned about it in even like high school, I feel like this is something that should be taught more across the board. You really see how news networks can tweak the truth by getting causation and correlation and confounding, all these different Epi principles kind of mixed up and kind of abusing the fact that the general public does not, um, is not an expert in it. So that's kind of where I'm at now. That's the overview. That's kind of the intro to Jessica. Um, something I wanted to talk about is the applying for contractor roles. If you want a, um, contractor role in the federal government and applying for MPH, um, programs. So one of the things that's interesting about contracting positions is it's a little bit hard to find them. It's kind of like an if you know, you know, you know where to look online, and then you can see where these positions are posted. Because if you type in C, you know jobs at CDC, you're going to get a lot of FTEs. That's the federal employee ones, which are great if you have um, the credentials to apply to those. A lot of them require a master's degree. Not all of them, but you know a lot of them do. Some of them require experience. You know, they're, they're definitely not your intro. They're not the one when you're 22 coming out of undergrad that you can, you know, enthusiastically apply to. Some people do, like there's some stories, but that's really more where the contracting role comes in. And so basically what you have to do when you're Googling is you have to find which contracting companies are currently supplying employees to CDC, or if you want something else, um, another federal, uh, what do you call it? organizations. So, you know, parks and rec the let's see, what's another one. I'm drawing a total blank, the NIH, you know, stuff like that. This is also kind of how you do that route. So you find out which contracting companies are supplying the people, and then you go to their website and they have job postings. And that's how you find your contracting positions. So I first worked for IHRC. They were a really good company. At least when I was there, they were really good. Um, I worked for G2S, and then I most recently worked for Tana. And so you go to those websites and you see their job postings, but it, it's kind of one of those things where it there's not a a big curated list of all of the contractor positions. It's something you really have to hunt for, and it's something that that's why it, it's such a like if you know you know thing. So that's kind of the contracting route. If you need specific help, message me. I'll I would love to uh, on a one on one level help you find something if you're looking for it. But that's kind of how that works. A lot of people just don't know that that's even a thing. They just see the the federal government FTE jobs and they don't know that there's a whole contracting side. So that's that part. With the MPH programs, I was just watching a thing on this. Basically, a lot of programs start in the fall, but not all. So I started my program over the summer. So UAB starts um, in, was it May? I think they start in May, they start in August, and then they start in January. So I applied March, actually like end of, like right now. (laughs) So end of February, beginning of March, I I was getting my application um, signed, sealed, and ready to deliver. I had three letters of recommendation, and you have to write, you know, some Personal statements and stuff like that. You need your transcripts. You need all that, and then you should just apply. But one of the questions I saw on this other like YouTube video I was watching is, it was this girl, and she was saying that she gets asked a lot: should you wait until you have more work experience, or should you just apply? And she said that she was biased, but you should just apply. And I totally agree. Uh, Like if if your program kind of starts rolling starts throughout the year, just apply. The worst they can say is no. And in the meantime, continue to build up your resume. And also, I just applied to UAB because that was the tuition assistance that I had. But if I had not had that, I would have been applying to probably 10 programs. So apply to your first choice, but then apply to other ones that are also fun. And I think you should make that list not just on like, oh, like, what are the best MPH programs? I would really look into what are those programs specialties. So with UAB, one of their specialties is maternal and family, I think it's called. I should look that up. It's basically maternal public health. So that's going to be your pregnancy. That's going to be the young children, the mom dynamic, all that. I That was not my concentration, but that is what kind of I think they're famous for. I think they're one of two programs. I believe the other one's in, like Massachusetts or something. But different programs have things that they're known for. So I know UW in Seattle, they're really good with global health. So I was looking into them, and then like Emory, Emory is really good. I know a lot of people who went to Emory. Emory and CDC are literal neighbors. You can walk from one to the other in Atlanta. Shout out to the General Muir. It is the Best coffee and like pastry and really good bagel place. And they, I, I'm pretty sure they get like most of their business from Emory and CDC because everyone there is obsessed with them. But like I used to do a bar class, um, bar is like a type of workout across from CDC. And almost everyone in my class um, was either like a graduate student or a resident or something from Emory. So, Emory and CDC, there's a very symbiotic relationship there. If that's of interest to you, Obviously Johns Hopkins, they're really famous in the world of public health, but then there's also programs that are not quite as quote unquote famous that are also still really good, or they're focused on something really niche. And that's what you're really focused on, or they're just in your town or they're less expensive. Like all of those are really good reasons to include or exclude someone on your list. So don't just go for the big name brands really look into your other options. I was super happy with UAB. Now UAB is a good program. I think it's top 20. Um, but it, it was really great. And for me, I just wanted, you know, I liked global health and technically there was a certificate program, but at the end of the day, I just wanted my MPH and I love data. And so I wanted to learn how to work with that data, how to work with good data, how to work with messy data. And, um, they gave me that. And so now I can, uh, You know, code my way out of a paper bag. And I guess that's just kind of my ramblings of the contractor dynamic at CDC and then also the MPH application process. And that's about it. At the end of this, I wanted to do some job shoutouts. I was, um, I've been kind of saving some good ones to throw on the podcast, but I guess that's about it. The problem with podcasting is I can't do. Like I can't open it up to Q&A because I'm sure there's some really good questions that I actually can't answer that I'm just not thinking of right now. So send me a DM if that is the case. But these were just kind of my experiences. Again, these don't represent anyone. This is just my, this is my life. I'm 32 right now. This is the past 10 years of my life. And yeah, that's about it. I just, Oh, the future. So, the future for me professionally is really interesting because I graduated, what, a month ago, a month and a half ago? Gosh, two months ago. (laughs) And my son is super young. I'm staying home with him now. And I'm kind of really looking at okay, what does the next year look like? What does the next five years look like? What about the next 10 years? And what I think I'm going to do. I've kind of given myself a breather. You know, I graduated, like gave myself a breather. I have a young child. But I, I think the plan, and you guys will probably um, watch this either come to fruition or me pivot from it, but my plan is to teach a couple classes at university until my son is a little bit older and then go more back into the workforce full time. And so something that's really interesting about when you get your MPH is you can teach. So you can teach at community colleges with the master's level degree. And you can also teach at certain private universities. And now living in Denver, we have both private universities and community colleges here. And I think it might be fun before I go back and, you know, do my nine to five Monday through Friday grind to teach a couple of classes. So I was looking at it and I think I'm going to, basically take this time to apply to those. I'm going to probably send some emails, um, before that's like my biggest recommendation is if like, you can go the traditional route of just applying, but an email goes a long way. Like emailing someone a really nice, specific email, not just like, can you help me get a job? But like, Hey, this is what I'm interested in. This is who I am um, you know, X, Y, Z, and really like, make it easy for them when you're emailing about a job, make it as easy for them as you can. That's my, as someone who's gotten a lot of those emails, that's my main, uh, point of recommendation. So I'll probably send a couple of those emails and see if I can pick up a couple, maybe classes, see if I like that. If I don't like it, then I'll just like go back to work. But I think that'll be a fun thing for the future. And, uh, we'll see. So you guys can kind of join that journey with me. And that's about it. I guess let's jump into the job. Oh, I want to talk a little about fellowships. So one thing that CDC has that's really cool is they have fellowships. They're called O-Rise fellowships. If you go back and listen to some of my other episodes, I gave shout outs to these. They were applying. But O-Rise fellowships are for people who are within, I think it's five years of graduating from either undergrad a graduate school, or I believe a doctorate program as well. And it's a certain type of application process where it's only open to those people and you can't have previous CDC experience. So it's really how you can get your foot in the door. You, I've known people who have gone through it. You get like a mentor, you get paid, you are not a contractor. You're like CDC O-Rise. Oh it's, it's like its own little mini fraction. It's a really really awesome opportunity. So definitely if that's something you're interested look into O-Rise fellowships. All right, so I'm going to pull up these jobs if I could find them. So I've said this before, but I have like a really good job what's it called? Notification system still set up in my phone. So I, I just like, like scrolling through, them. I get um, jobs sent to my inbox that are really good. I have it really like narrowed down the stuff I would like. And so I look at, I pulled some of those in. I also just kind of went hunting around. So I'm just going to shout out three, I might need more than three jobs, um, just in the public health world. I like to do this. I, it's like kind of become a little bit of a popular, not popular, but like people like it. I've I'm told that people like it. So I'm just going to do it. Um, if it's interesting to you, I think if I were listening to this podcast and I didn't need a job, I would still think it's interesting to see kind of like what's being, um, advertised and kind of what the pay is. Like, it's just good. These are just good metrics for us all to know. So GeForce Life Science one week ago posted a job. It's an epidemiologist jobs, uh, epidemiologist job. It is 45 to $55 per hour. And it is remote. So we love a remote. But here's the thing. They want you to know Python and SAS. Let's see what else. Statistical analysis proficiency. They want you to demonstrate expertise in statistical analysis analysis techniques, including but not limited to regression analysis, survival analysis, and causal inference experience applying statistical methods to healthcare data is preferred. So just like a good bread and butter SAS position there's a car going by behind me very loudly. Hopefully that's not <laughs> overtaking it. It says contract to hire starts as a 12-month contract. So this is a contract position. Um, let's see if it has what you might call it? What do you call it? Like educational it does not have an education Requirement. So if you can code, if you know your stat softwares, this is for you. 45 to 55 an hour, that's a pretty good pay. That's roughly 90 to 110,000 a year. So I like that one. I just kind of grabbed it. All right, this one, field biologist. And this is what I liked about this one it's full time or it's part time. This is out of California. It's the Montrose Environmental Group. It's $30 to $45 an hour, so roughly, like back of the envelope, that's sixty dollars to $90,000 a year. Um, They posted this. Okay, this is they reposted this seven hours ago, so they're really hunting for this one. There's over 100 applicants. Let's see what they want you to do. So, you're a field biologist performed remote within California. So, this is for my California people. You're doing biological surveys, report preparations, construction monitoring. Um, is this the wetlands one? Yeah. So, they want you to either have a BS in biology, ecology, wetland science, plant ecology, or similar fields, one to six years of professional experience in biological surveys. Um, Proven familiarity with biological resources in Southern California with a strength in botany, wildlife biology, and or wetland ecology. So this is like a little bit less public healthy, but it's still in the bio world, environmental sciences. There's kind of an overlap between public health and environmental services in our environmental sciences because so much of the environment affects public health. And so just wanted to throw that one in. Okay, this one is more of a traditional public health role. And this is for, I was going to say it's for my Denver people, but it says there's a remote opportunity. But this is a population health analyst, and it's for Denver Health. So Denver Health is a big, um, I guess, company organization within Denver. This requires just a bachelor's degree, but they want two years of public sorry, I keep saying public health, population health slash quality improvement experience. And that's required. So that's like, I would say the limiting factor here, the pay range is 63,000 to 95,000 a year. You know, when something is posted in Colorado, they are by law required to tell you the salary, but this is at the very, bego- at the very bottom I'm starting to like not speak well. Um, it says remote opportunities available for residents of Colorado, Illinois, Kentucky, Ohio, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, Texas, Utah, Virginia, Washington, and Wisconsin. And it says, then it has a like, kind of a different job sum- summary from the one at the very top. It says the population health analyst will provide operational and project management support to the population health and quality improvement team under minimal supervision this position supports the further development of processes and tools to gather organize visualize trend and analyze population health data and create effective population health interventions so this one a good old fashioned bread and butter public health role you only need a bachelor's degree but you do need a little bit of experience 2 years um but for the right person this is going to be a fun one it's full time out of Denver, but remote opportunities available. So that's a really good one. I like that one a lot. Let's see. Let's just keep going down the list. So this one is really fun. I This one has a special place in my heart as a former health communication specialist. This one is a senior communications specialist for public health for Adams County. So Adams County is one of the counties in Denver. This is north. I actually used to live in Adams County way back in the day. It's out of Brighton, Colorado, and the pay is... 67,000 to 77,000 per year. And basically, you are just doing public health communications for the county. Let's see if they give any specifics, but I found this one. I really like this one. Um Yeah, they want you to have a bachelor's degree in communication marketing or public relations and Minimum of five years of combined education and experience in health communications, marketing, journalism, or public relations. So basically, you know, there's a lot of things that the county does in terms of outreach with public health campaigns. This is something in our MPH program. We did like mock versions of this. I had to do posters for syphilis in one of the counties um, outside of Birmingham. I did one for The Connecticut Health Department. So this is something that if you went through an MPH program, you probably did like a mock version of this. And so this is just a good bread and butter public health county communication specialist. And sixty-seven to seventy-seven thousand a year is you know pretty good for only needing a bachelor's degree. It does have that five years of experience though. But I wonder if that could be negotiated in like in exchange for some really good wins. Like, so if you were doing COVID marketing, COVID communications, um, but you don't have quite five years, you know, that could be negotiated. That, this is one where I would send an email along with the resume. But um, so there's just some random ones. This was kind of more of a casual episode. I hope you guys liked it. Um, it this was kind of fun for me just to chit chat. But next week we'll be back to our regular programming doing a deep dive of the science, epidemiology, history, and kind of what's going on in the day-to-day of... It's going to be salmonella. I've already started researching it. I already kind of know about salmonella, but um, who knows? If I get a wild hair and something (laughs) really gets me fixated, I might go on a deep dive of a different topic. But I'm pretty sure it's going to be salmonella. But yeah, this was my off-the-cuff casual fireside episode of kind of just my professional route some of my thoughts please message me if you have any questions and um, if this style was not your favorite um, that's okay there's other episodes and it was just kind of fun to make so send me a message please like subscribe whatever platform you're listening on it prompts you to do Um, It's just really fun for me when I pull the data every week to just see that number go up and I just really appreciate it. Or if you like it, could you give it a review? I hear other podcasters say that helps. I'm sure it does. (laughs) And I'm not quite big enough to where that help is like super, super important, but, um, you know, we're, we're climbing our way up there and I just Really appreciate the support. Like I said, I pull the data and it's just so fun. Every week, there's more people listening. And I am just so thankful for that. This is a unique time of my life and doing this passion project has been really fun. So thank you for listening, whether you're in your car, at home. I like to listen to podcasts while I'm like working on something at home that I don't want to be doing. So if you're doing that, I'm with you. Keep going. You're doing a great job. For me, it's like, oh, I have to do the dishes. Like, let me put on a podcast. So if you're sitting here, Or if you're standing there doing the dishes, listening to this, you're doing a great job. It's not going to take you as long as you think. I always feel like I have like time blindness where I'm like, this is going to take forever. And it's like, actually, this took 10 minutes tops. So tangent, but thank you for listening and I'll see y'all next week. Bye.